Howdy folks, welcome to our podcast, American Cowboy in New Zealand. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. Alrighty guys, hey thanks for joining me today. Hope you have your thinking caps on because we're going to jump into the second part of my series on the five fundamentals. You know when it comes to establishing our initial groundwork and the early stages of riding, in other words getting the basics established, it seems many folks are not clear what specific principles they're working on or what priority things should take if there is confusion, resistance, reaction, etc. I've started a series on the physical aspects of what we're trying to develop in any ridden horse, regardless of discipline, but I want to emphasize again that we must look deeper than just physical outcomes. The mental and emotional states of our horse determine not only what they do physically, but also the quality of those things that we're ultimately looking for. In the first part of this series, we dissected the first fundamental we need established, and that is good quality forward. Movement, in other words. Without the ability to ask for good movement with impulsion, everything else becomes difficult, if not impossible. I can't tell you how many times I've been working with someone in a clinic, or maybe a private lesson, and their horse just doesn't go. You know, he, he's just not motivated. And us humans have the tendency to say lazy or, you know, different terms like this. But in reality, the horse just doesn't understand the need to put forth any effort. He's, he's not been shown a good work ethic. He's not been shown a good reward for putting forth any effort when he did, you know. And so if you haven't listened to my episode on the first part, part one, good quality forward, then I encourage you Make sure you, you catch that one uh, and, and get that first, first part under your belt. In this episode, we're going to look at the second of these physical qualities that we want to progressively develop. Remember, in both our groundwork and ridden work, these qualities lay the best foundation for horses of any breed or discipline. Understanding these fundamentals and having them clear in our own minds can help us to be clearer, address issues in a timely way, and avoid many common pitfalls. So the second fundamental is suppleness. Now, this can start at the very beginning, maybe when we first slip a halter on a foal. You can see this in my full handling series in my online video library and the process that I take. And the reality is I do this with all of the horses that I work with. We have to start right at the very beginning when it comes to assessing or establishing their understanding of what I call the direct feel, that tool that we're going to have on their head. 
I want them to have a solid understanding of that. And so when I'm starting a youngster and, and first day in the round pen, first time I'm going to interact with them, at some point, every single horse that I work with or I lay my hands on, even at clinics, I am going to be assessing their understanding of this idea uh, within the first session. I've got a video also on lateral flexion in my YouTube channel that you might find helpful. So the understanding that we want them to have, of course, is to yield basically to any pressure on that halter. That's kind of the simple, simplified version. That's in a nutshell. The result of that flexion, sorry, the result is that of flexion or softening of the pole. Okay. At the start, this is done usually asking for lateral bend at the standstill. This keeps things simple so that the horse, especially if it is a foal or a young one, can have the time needed to understand and to begin to develop or, or, or understand these things one aspect at a time. The way we approach the application of the halter or any tool like it, which is again what I call a direct feel, has a lot to do with what they come to understand it to mean. In other words, they're a product of the way that we are using those tools. I find that many people are not clear enough in their own understanding to be consistent so that the horse has a chance to be consistent. Many times I've seen people visiting with someone or even talking to me and their horse is standing next to them and they're hanging on the halter and there's a hold. They're holding on that halter as if to keep their horse with them uh, or prevent him from rubbing on them or pushing into them or walking off. And the reality is, is all they're doing is desensitizing him to a certain amount of pressure on that halter that he apparently is not expected to find a release to. And so we're dulling him. We're dulling that horse to a pressure. And the reality is, is that the problem is, is that it works. You know, it, it seems to work and we do these things without even thinking. And this is just one example. But the reality is if that horse wanted to leave, and he knew he could, then he would. He just would if he wanted to. Uh, some of them don't know that yet, but that's kind of the way they start to find that out is when we start to address these things uh, or use these tools in a way that basically begins to pit our strength or our weight, our physicality versus theirs. If you haven't listened to episode six of our podcast here on the direct feel, That'll take you deeper into that whole idea of the way we're actually going to use these tools in a way that encourages the horse to think and respond, thus having lightness and softness in our interactions with these tools. But basically, we want the tool that we put on their heads, whatever it is, be it a rope halter, a snaffle, a hackamore, a side pull, whatever that is, we want to ask for flexion and a softening of the spine. Now this starts in the pole. This starts quite simply, maybe at the standstill or, or uh, lateral or vertical flexion at the standstill. But ultimately we want it to have an effect on their entire body. And of course we need it to also be understood and applicable when they're moving. So of course this has to do with steering while we're riding or leading when we're on the ground. These things are obvious from a physical sense. We, we understand that we need, need that going there. But there's actually much more than that that is going on. See, a horse doesn't naturally turn loose. 
like this, like we're really looking for. They tend to carry themselves as straight as possible, and even you could say braced as possible, particularly if they're, you know, unsure or they're inexperienced or there's any amount of self-preservation or excitement or, or even, you know, they're out there having a good time. There's this, this brace or this resistance to maybe what you would be asking them to do with a tool, uh, you know, there's, there's a disconnect there, right? And, and it's perfectly natural. This is part of their nature as a flight animal and their mindset of survival. See, a horse with a straight spine is ready to flee or move in whatever way they feel the need to. They're ready. And on the other hand, if they're on a bend or they're arced around and their focus is on us and there's a bend in their body, that horse is not ready to flee. He's not instantly ready to depart or do maybe what he may feel he needs to do. So one thing we need to be mindful of then is that when we ask for this suppleness, again, starting in the pole, wanting it to flow down the spine and really throughout their body, this softening, this is a physical result, physical result of them being okay mentally and emotionally. In other words, the physical aspect of what we're looking for, suppleness, a softening of their body, a, a turning loose, you could say, is, is directly tied to their, you could say, okayness, their okayness mentally and emotionally. So a horse that is anxious, unsure, afraid, untrusting, unconfident, this horse cannot turn loose and operate in this way. There may be a glimpse, there may be a moment he may appear to be, and he may be light. In other words, if he's super sensitive and reactive, he may feel awfully light, but there's not an okayness about it, right? They're all different. We need to assess these things. It has to be first something they can trust us and that they're kind of okay about their surroundings in order to do to turn loose in this way, to yield themselves and, and be able to abide there a little. And then it's also something that they have to understand how to respond to. Okay, so you've got the emotional side and then you've got the mental side. When working on something as basic as lateral flexion at the standstill, we need to be aware that we are not first working on the physical outcome, but the emotional and mental aspects of trust and understanding that result in the physical outcome. So this continues to be part of the overall conversation. Right from the very beginning, where you might say lateral flexion at the standstill, it, it grows from there and it develops from there. As we work with our horses, both on the ground and under saddle. And the mental and emotional side of things continue to be very much all in that conversation, all part of those all those things that are going on as, as we're trying to communicate, as we're trying to assess what they're doing. But it is important to assess the physical aspects of really what begins to be the combination of forward movement with suppleness. So we're going we're gonna to take that first principle, that first fundamental of good quality forward movement, and we want to bring it into 
the second one and, and have suppleness with that good quality forward movement. This takes a long time to develop. It really is a different way of balancing for the horse than what they typically use when just left to themselves as a horse. It is a different way of balancing. So it takes a long time to develop and it is a gradual process. It is not something that's just going to suddenly happen. There's horses that are stronger in this more naturally. They, they, they may have uh, more strength through their core and through their body that, that they're able to uh, tap into and develop this better. And for them, it might be more of a mental, emotional side that they've got to work through and get through. Others and most young horses, it's going to be all three really, but the physical is, is definitely going to take time to develop. See, typically they tend to prefer that straight spine as, as I already mentioned. And what that means is that the balance is on the diagonal. Okay. So think of when you're asking your horse around you in a circle, say you're on the ground and you're asking your horse around you in a circle and it appears that he has his nose tipped slightly away from you and or seems to be leading with the inside shoulder. Maybe he's even dropping in towards you or at the very least he appears to be going around but as I say he's not getting round. He's not round, he's just going around, you know. And, and what this is, he's, he's got a straight spine and he's balanced on the diagonal and he appears to be leading with that inside shoulder, okay. That is the way they want to travel. That is the way they're most comfortable to travel, not with bend in their body, but with straightness on a diagonal balance. Now, why is this important to observe and to be gradually developing their ability to move with bend in their body, move with a suppleness in their spine? Well, on the most basic note, responsive suppleness and movement means you can direct your horse. And of course, you're also hoping that you can regain their attention if they lose their focus for whatever reason. I always say, get the bend back, get the brain back. Uh, you may have heard me say that before, and I've got some, I think I've got some podcasts on that as well, but I also talk about it in my videos on response versus reaction and response in spite of trouble. The idea of regaining their attention in an emergency situation, not just the one rein stop, but much more than that, get the bend back, get the brain back. And, and that's a whole nother subject. But on a most basic note, obviously the idea of suppleness and movement means you can direct your horse. It goes right back to what we were saying at the start, the, the idea of steering, right? Very simple. But more subtly, and, and, and yet just as important, is the gymnastic development of the ridden athlete. Now, we do not have to be interested in performance horses or what we may call high-level competition or maneuvers in order to think of our horse as a ridden athlete. I've had some folks... Uh, even a little nervous, you know, about that terminology. Like, oh, I don't know if I want to ride an athlete, you know. <laughs> I'm not interested in that much power or whatever. But, you know, the truth is, is that for many horses, without our coming alongside and intentionally strengthening the core, we're shortening, we could be shortening their ridden career, quite likely their comfort in later life, perhaps even their life, okay? 
that's just the truth of the matter. And, and, the, and, the, and the truth, too, is it would, I often say it would be like, um, you know, having a Ferrari or a Lamborghini and you live in this little one-horse town that has five stoplights, you know, and you never take that car anywhere else but to the grocery store once a week and you never get over, you know, 30 miles an hour and you've got to stop every two blocks at these stoplights and that's all you do with that car. Well, that car will serve that purpose. Like, it's, it's going to do the job for you, but there is so much potential and so much uh, possibility there and it's not what that car was made for. Now, there's nothing wrong if you just want to ride your horse and you like the walk. <laughs> you, you, you don't want to hoon around. That's fine. That's fine. But I feel that there's something missing if, if you're not capable or you feel unconfident between you and your horse, whether they are they're lack the confidence or you do or whatever it is. There's, there's pieces missing and it's not actually a safe partnership. And, it, and in terms of what we're talking about here, it's probably not going to result in a, a longevity of their ridden career. Okay. Obviously, lots of different uh, pursuits out there in what you want to do ridden, what you enjoy doing, what your horse may enjoy or be, be good at, right? But there's something about being able to tap into their potential, all right? And in what we're talking about here, we're talking about longevity in their ridden career, okay? Health, having a healthy horse well into their old age, capable of enjoying life, whatever that might look like. Many of us will have seen the 15-year-old dude horse, you know, the trail horse, trekking horse, with the big sway in his back, right? He's breaking down. He's, he's ridden a lot. And he's fit in cardiovascular terms. He covers a lot of country. But why is his back breaking down? Why does he have this big sway in his back? Well, he is not ridden well. He is ridden a lot, but he's not ridden well. He's not ridden properly. See, he's in middle age. He's only middle age. He shouldn't be breaking down like this. He shouldn't be in this state. That's, it's not the way it should be. A significant detail in this concept of suppleness with movement is the idea of vertical flexion, which is something that I introduced from the ground fairly early on in the cult starting process. And I do that first in the backup. And it's one of the elements that I find to be most commonly missing in most horses, which means it's missing in their people, right? The idea of vertical flexion. Now, this is not elevation drop or lowering the head, okay? But more of a tucking the chin towards the chest. Now, it's important that the horse makes this change and that we do not force it or hold it. Even if we have to firm up, it's important that we're trying to have the horse understand and make the change himself. You can see much more about this in my groundwork series in my online video library. The goal is not focused really on the frame of the head or face so much, but a softening that really, it starts in the pole, but releases through the spine. This is part of what allows the elevation of the forequarter. All right. 
if they're jammed up and braced from the pole, they're, they're basically, especially if their head's up, there's a brace that runs all the way through from the pole down to the front feet, right through the wither and shoulders, okay? So they cannot really in, uh, 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 elevate the fore quarter when there's that kind of brace going on. So building from there, building from this idea, any work that we can do along these lines, whether on the ground or ridden, okay, develops this balance. So, so think proper backup with engaged hind, not just pulling the reins back, not just dragging your horse back or getting him to back up any old way, but a proper backup with an engaged hind quarter, the way I detail in my ridden work videos, okay? It's important that they're soft. Things like turns on the hind quarter, anything like a rollback or a spin or pirouette, anything that helps engage the core and elevate the fore. Lateral movements, excellent basic lateral movements like leg yield, shoulder in, half pass, a side pass is in there related to those things, haunches in. I mean, you could keep going, right? Pee off, massage, all those sorts of things. All these movements, whether again, on the ground or under saddle, help develop this kind of balance, this different way of going for the horse and will strengthen, especially the core and the top line. So combined then with the impulsion of the engaged hindquarter that we discussed in the first part of this series, the idea of good quality forward movement, getting that hindquarter engaged, you combine this with this softness and elevation of the fore, you can achieve true collected work and develop the athletic potential of your individual horse. I believe this can be a beneficial goal of any horse owner that they don't, you don't have to be aiming for high level dressage. You don't have to be riding a reining horse or thinking about, you know, competition or performance horses. See this kind of mindset for us, not only promotes and improves the longevity of your horse's ridden career, but also gives you some very practical maneuverability that could come in very handy in certain situations. Now, we've kind of gone the full gamut. We've talked basically from the very, very beginning of putting a halter on a foal all the way up to really achieving the highest level of maneuverability and athleticism that your horse has the potential to have. And so in reality, what I guess what I'm saying and the principles that I'm trying to come across with could apply to anyone with any horse at any stage of development. But there's so much more to the subjects of collection and the high school movements and that. And, and, and that's not really what we're talking about today. Really, all of it boils down to the basics done first and done well. We, as horsemen, must have a firm grasp of these principles and from an early stage in our horse's education as soon as possible we're looking for good forward movement with suppleness so whether you're you know just getting started on the ground or you want to go back to the ground and think about things in maybe different terms than you have done before or maybe you're ready to take this idea into some further ridden work i've got videos in my online video library to help you with each step of the way if you've not already subscribed, you can start your free trial today at our website, truewesthorsemanship.com. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Keep a leg on each side, your mind in the middle, and we'll catch you down the road. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to American Cowboy in New Zealand. 
If you like this episode, please share and leave your five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.